Well, good morning, Stone Creek. How are we doing this morning? Y'all doing good? Come on, come on. Hey, if we haven't got the chance to meet, my name is Sean, and I'm the student pastor here. And uh, let me tell you, I am pumped to preach this message today. Like, I was over there just jumping, and like, I also have a lot of caffeine, so bear with me. I'm shaking already. So it's going to be an awesome, awesome morning. And let me tell you, you chose a really good day to come to church today. A really, really good day to come to church today. You want to know why? Let me tell you. The Holy Spirit is here in this place this morning. I mean, the Holy Spirit is here washing over this time, anointing this time, and he he's wants to speak directly to your heart today, directly to your situation today, your circumstance today, your soul today, and where you are as you walked in. The Holy Spirit has words for you. Let me tell you why else it's a good day to be at church. Because today we're going to open the Word of God. And the Word of God is the authoritative Word that is alive and active and wants to speak to your heart. It wants to equip you to go beyond where you are right now and into where God is calling you to be. And I believe in this word. We believe in this word because this word is the word from the God of the universe. And the creator wants to speak to you today. Do you want to know what else? Church is awesome today? Because we have this worship team. Can we give it up for the worship team this morning? Come on. Here's what I love about our worship team. Our worship team isn't just a concert. Right, Aaron said he went to a concert last night. Well, he didn't come to one this morning. He came to an invitation into the spirit of God, into the presence of our Father. And what our worship leaders are up here doing is they're just inviting you to come along on the journey into intimacy with the Father of the universe. And we get to be a part of that today. You chose a good day to come to church because we got the Holy Spirit, we got the Word of God, and we got the intimacy with the Father through worship. It's going to be an amazing, amazing, amazing morning. See, our God this morning, I believe, is using Stone Creek as, as a vessel to invite you and I to get off the bench of our faith and into the dang game. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So I want to ask you, start off by asking you a question. Maybe one that you've never thought of, maybe one that you haven't thought of in a long time, but here it is. Why did you come to church today? Think about it. When's the last time you asked yourself that question? Why did you come to church today? Did you come to sit in a seat that's kind of comfortable, kind of not, and just watch a performance, watch a concert, feel good about yourself? Or did you come to get equipped to go further than you, you never thought your life could go? Did you come to ask the question and wonder, God, where are you calling me to walk? How are you calling my life and my purpose to change in ways I could have never imagined? See, when I was six years old, I played upward basketball. Anybody know about upward basketball? All right, cool. So, so you played the basketball league that you, wasn't, you weren't good enough to play in any other league either. That's awesome. That's great. So we're, we're, we're similar. That's great. You know, upward basketball, the ones that they iron stars onto your random sweaty t-shirt to say, hey, you came. <laughs> or maybe they give you a participation trophy. Listen, I was a star at upward basketball, okay? I really thought I was going to be the next Michael Jordan, if I can be honest uh, with you. There's, uh, but, you know, like just face value, there's a lot wrong with that statement, you know? Like, I'm very short and I'm very white. It just doesn't work out. 
Michael Jordan, man, he is an athlete. And I, I'm like, man, I am the Michael Jordan of upward basketball. That's what I thought when I was six years old. And my dad agreed because, you know, he's supportive. And so he decided, hey, you, you need to go to the big leagues. This is the minor leagues. It's the big leagues time. I'm going to sign you up for the big leagues of Alpharetta Rec, okay? So I start going to Alpharetta Rec basketball. Here's the thing. I had no more, I had no more uh, stars on my sleeve. I didn't have a participation trophy anymore. All of a sudden, there was a tryout, Okay. I wasn't good enough for a tryout. So like, if you imagine um, me right now, you can look at me, right? Imagine a six-year-old version of this. It's about how you'd expect the tryout for basketball would go. Not well, okay? I got put on the worst team in the league. Like I'm talking, we did not win one game the entire season, uh, worst team in the league, because we kept score now on like upward basketball. And all of a sudden, I'm on this team, and the worst part about it is I was riding the bench, okay? I wasn't even playing in the game. I was riding the bench of the worst team in the league. And all I wanted as my six-year-old self was to get in the game, right? I remember sitting on the bench just like, coach, put me in. Like, I would have dream scenarios. I would just daydream during the game like, ooh, I could make that shot. Ooh, I could make that pass. I couldn't, just to let you know. But I could, in my mind. I can make the pass. I can make the shot. Put me in the game. Give me a shot, coach. Put me in. And he didn't until the last game of the season. We were down by our typical 20 points at the end of the game. And there were 15 seconds left in the game. My coach said, hey, Sean, you're in. My, my dreams came true, okay? Ran on to the court. I remember as the time went down, one of the greatest moments of my life, I got the ball, okay? Down 20 like four seconds to go, half court shot, shoot it, off the backboard, goes in. We lost by 17, but I, I, I celebrated like I just won the NBA title. Come on. <laughs> Do you know why? It wasn't because I made a shot. I had three points on the season. <laughs> it's because there was something different. There's a feeling that happens when you get off the bench and you get in the game. There's a feeling that happens when you stop sitting by idly watching what's happening in front of you and wishing you were a part and actually taking a bold step to step out and get in the game, even if it scares you, even if you don't feel like you're qualified, even if you don't feel like you're worthy, even if you feel like your story is too far gone, even if you don't feel like you know enough about the Bible, there's something different about stepping off the bench and into the game and allowing God to use you. And here's what I'm asking this morning. That you and I would be like my sixth grade self. We would long to be off the bench this morning. We, we would do anything to get off the bench this morning and into the game. So here's what I'm asking. I'm asking this morning as a church, we become tired of complacent and consumeristic faith that feels comfortable. I'm asking that we urgently desire to be equipped to get in the game and contribute to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Because what greater purpose is there to live for? See, we're in the series called Jesus People. Y'all say, Jesus People. Say it louder. That's what I like to hear, Jesus people. Here's what this series is about. It's Jesus people. Uh, we, uh, we're talking through our, uh, some of our core values here as a church with the intention of bringing unity around one purpose and one mission to elevate the name of Jesus. But in order to do that, we have to find out how do we become Jesus people? How do we walk every day in our everyday lives? I'm not talking about in Sundays on, at church. I'm talking about on Mondays in, in your company. How do you walk as a Jesus person? 
So we've gone through a couple so far. Let me catch you up if you weren't here. The first one is that Jesus is our message. Jesus is our message. He's why we do this. He's why we exist. He's the point. He's the purpose. He's how we ask ourselves the question, what would Jesus do if Jesus were me in this circumstance? Because Jesus is the message, and he's the only message that matters. Then we talked about now, Jen. Y'all say now, Jen. We don't believe that our students and our kids are just the next generation. Hey, one day we'll hand them the baton. No, no, no. They're, we believe that our kids and our students, the now gen, are making disciples who make disciples today. And they need to be the leaders of today, not the leaders of tomorrow. And so we pour in to our now gen. And then last week we talked about how we bleed boldness. We bleed boldness. We're not okay with being comfortable. We're not okay with the complacent. We're not okay with walking in somewhere and hearing something from the Spirit and not doing anything about it. We bleed boldness. And today we're diving into one of my favorite values we have here at Stone Creek, one that I feel like encapsulates so much of what we try to do here at church and who we need to be as Jesus people. And that value is this, equipping over entertaining. Equipping over entertaining. Now, y'all have a journal uh, in, in your seats right now. Uh, you're welcome. It's a gift. Congratulations. Uh, but gifts aren't useful if you don't use them. So I would love for you to grab that journal and take some notes today and, and as we talk about how to be equipped instead of entertained. Well, we're going to be uh, reading from the book of Ephesians today. A guy named the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians to a church of Ephesus, but it's so true for our church here today. And so we're going to be opening our Bibles right now to Ephesians 4, verse 11. And this is the scripture we'll be breaking down here in just a little bit. It says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. But as a church, we are here to equip, not to entertain. Because we believe that Jesus' people are called to be equipped and then to go out and to equip others who then can equip others, who then can equip others and equip others with the hope and the life that only Jesus can bring. It's called the Great Commission. It's why we're here. It's why Jesus died. It's why he left us with the mission to go make disciples who make disciples. But before we can do that, we have to learn how to be equipped to do so. So I'm going to ask you this question again that I asked at the beginning. Why did you come to church today? Why did you come to church today? Is it to be entertained or is it to be equipped? See, coming here every week for entertainment, it, it turns into a consumeristic faith. And consumerism, as we know in all other aspects of life, when we're just consuming, we're not doing anything with it. And it becomes very dull and very stale very quickly. And I think we've all probably been in this boat at some point in our walk with Jesus. Maybe you're there right now. And I'm telling you, there's so much more to life and to faith in Jesus if you stop just consuming and begin to participate actively. 
See, there's a couple ways that maybe you're unintentionally consuming right now instead of trying to be equipped. When it comes to your kids, do you come here with the mindset, oh, cool, yes, free, free hour of childcare. Praise God. That's amazing, right? Maybe that's your mindset, and that's okay. But that's more of, of probably an entertainment mindset. An equipping mindset would go, hey, I get to bring my kids to a church that's going to pour truths of Scripture into them. And then I'm not going to let them just stay there and pick them up and go home with nothing. I'm going to ask them about those Bible stories. I'm going to ask them about what they're learning. I'm going to read the Bible verse again at bedtime with them because I want to equip my kids at home. Entertaining would be coming here and, and grabbing a cup of coffee and coming in here and just standing there like this in worship. Some of you do it, let's be honest. No, that, that would be seeking entertainment because that's what we do at a concert, right? We get a drink and we stand there and watch, but that's not what we're here to do. These worship leaders are inviting you, inviting you into an experience of intimacy with the Father. And, and so equipping would go, hey, I'm going to freely lift my hands. I'm going to shout praises to my God because he is worthy of my worship. And entertaining, entertaining would be coming to a message and just sitting there like you would listen to a TED Talk on YouTube and then leave going, that was good. And getting in the car and doing nothing about it. Equipping would go, hey, I'm going to highlight verses. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to find some questions or application points that I can continue conversation throughout my week at home. Now, why did you come to church today? By now, I hope your heart is stirring. Your mind is wondering. Man, I hope I came to be equipped. And so how do we do it? How do we be equipped at church? I want to go back to that uh, passage from Ephesians and dive a little bit deeper. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, it says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So right off the bat, Paul says that the, way, the reason church exists is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now that's not me. That's not Ryan or Aaron or Stephen. That's you. You are the saints that we are designed to equip for the work of ministry. So when you come here, why do we, why do, we do Bible-centered messages every week? Is it for me or, or Ryan or Stephen just to flex on you and show you our Bible degrees? <laughs> no. Is it for you to hear a feel-good TED Talk? No. The reason we preach is to equip you for the work of ministry. And if you allow it to, it might just change your world forever. When I was a sophomore in college, uh, I, was, uh, I was transferring from Kennesaw State and coming back down here. And I remember there was a message where they talked about a leadership development program called the Protege Program. And something in me knew that that was my next step. Something in me knew that that's what God was calling me to do. And so I went on an 11-month journey here at Stone Creek where I worked full-time here at Stone Creek with the purposes of being launched into full-time vocational church ministry. And it changed the game for me. It changed the game, and almost seamless plug really fast. Our leadership development program is coming up in August. And I only say this because it changed my life, and I'd be remiss not to tell you that it could change yours or someone you know. And so we have five slots left, and it starts in August. And that, if that's you or someone you know, and you're interested in full-time church vocational ministry, you need to apply or send the application to them because it will change their calling, I promise. But it's not just church vocational ministry where people need to be equipped for the work of ministry. 
It's not just those who are on staffs at church or pastors that are called to ministry. Jesus people are called to ministry. Jesus people, they don't, we don't passively observe. We actively participate. Jesus people are, are not content spectating, but are purposed for participating. See, another word for ministry is service. How many of y'all ever waited tables at some point in your life? Cool, cool, me too. It's terrible, I understand. We've all waited tables, and we knew that we were in a rush, right? When you were a waiter, you were in a rush to service the table you're serving because you wanted to get the greatest payout. And just like that, man, we are serviced to serve the table of the world with the message of the gospel, and it should be the most urgent thing we ever have because you know what the payout is? Eternal life for people. Man, it's our job. We are serviced for the, to be equipped for the work of ministry. And there are people who are hungry for the gospel. There are people who are hungry for life and light and don't know anything else but darkness. And it's our job to tell them about our Jesus. Verse 13 continues, Paul says, Until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Hey, Jesus' people can't be content with shallow faith. I'm going to say that again. Jesus' people, we, we can't be content with shallow faith. Let me ask you, when you were a kid, or maybe you have kids right now, were you content staying in the baby pool? No, right? Of course you weren't. You wanted to take off the floaties, run to the high dive, rip diving boards, we miss you, right? They wanted to run to the high dive and jump off the thing into the deep end. You didn't care if you knew how to swim. You didn't care what the... What the consequences where you knew that there was something exciting, something full of adventure, jumping in the deep end. So often right now, when it comes to faith, we become content just staying in the baby pool with our floaties on. And we wonder why faith gets boring. Maybe for you today, your faith's boring. It's okay. I've been there. There's been moments and seasons in my life where my faith felt boring too. But can I tell you, every single time I looked back at those seasons, because I realized I got out of the deep end, put the floaties back on, and sat back down in the baby pool, and I wondered, why was I bored? There's some adventure that's ahead of you. But you got to want to dive in deep. You got to do whatever it takes to get out of that rut, get out of that season of feeling bored, and dive into a deep end of the ocean. You got to get back into the adventure. See, faith in Jesus, man, it's full of adventure. It's full of excitement. But in order to really experience the adventure, we have to become Jesus people who always take the floaties off, tell others, hey, take those off. I got something better to show you. It's the deep end of the pool. Man, if your faith's in the beginning stages today, praise Jesus. You are at the right place, but you can't stay there. You got to want to grow it and dive into the deep end because there's so much more love that God has to show you. There's so much more grace he has for, to, for you to unpack. There's so much more purpose he wants to instill in you. There's such a bigger calling that you don't even understand yet. And you got to dive deeper in order to begin to understand your life. When you gain maturity as believers, what happens? Verse 14, Paul says it. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every kind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. Look, friend, there are, there are teachers everywhere who are going to want to teach you something, who want to teach you some false doctrine, 
who want to teach you false truths, truths disguised as lies, and they want for these lies to begin to shape your theology, shape the way you see Jesus, shape the way you see your purpose and your identity, and they are not from the author of life, Jesus. But they can easily seem like they are. Man, if you go on YouTube or TikTok or even the news, there are these false preachers rolling around everywhere telling you things that, that are maybe just false doctrine that is being tossed like you would be tossed on a wave. But there is a firm foundation in the person of Jesus that has a hope that is immovable, that isn't shaken by false doctrine, but is the truth that has lasted for over 2,000 years and it's found in Scripture. We can't look to YouTube anymore. We can't look to the news or TikTok or social media anymore. The author of life has shown us the truth, and it's in the word of God. And listen, I want, I want to be honest with you. Life, I'm about to go into a whole spiel that is, may seem opposite than this, but I want to unpack this first. Life can be a playground with Jesus. Life can be a playground. It can be super fun. Following Jesus is fun. And if you've never experienced the fun Jesus, stay around a little longer. I promise you, you will. Man, one of our values here at Stone Creek is that fun is fundamental. And we live it out. I can tell you the majority of my ministry that I do is around poker or, or, or coffee or food or spike ball. Okay? We have fun and Jesus is elevated. Life with Jesus can be a playground. But the, but the problem is we live in a fallen world. And the enemy is going to do whatever he can to throw hits at you to make it not feel like a playground anymore. See, so often in our lives, life doesn't feel like a playground. It feels like a battleground. Life isn't a playground so often. It's a battleground. And I think we've all realized that at some point, haven't we? We've all been through a circumstance or a situation where we're like, yeah, I'm going through it. I'm going through it. I'm getting hit left and right. All I can see is enemies coming against me. All it feels like is I'm drowning and I don't know what to do. Life feels like a battleground so often. And we got to come to the realization that there's a real enemy that hates us. As Jesus people, there's a real enemy that hates us. I mean, he wants your mind to think thoughts of devastation. He wants your marriage to end in destruction. He wants your purpose to feel hopeless. He, he, he wants your soul to be left wandering and the truth you to believe to be disguised lies for evil. And, and I also, before I dive any deeper, I also really quickly want to recap something that's really important, though. Yes, there's an enemy that hates us, but we also have a Savior who's already won the war. And Jesus, if you don't know, he died on a cross to save you from your sin. And he was in the grave for three days. And he did some work in that grave because he defeated the enemy forever. He unshackled the grip of sin. And he got rid of our hopelessness and our, and our shame forever through faith in his name. And now we can look to him and say, hey, I have an eternal heaven, an eternal home that is full of glory. And it's going to be amazing. Jesus has already won the war. The issue is, is we're not home yet. We're still on earth. And while we're, before we get home with Jesus forever, man, we are on a battleground, not just for our souls, but for the souls of so many other people. We live on a battleground. But the problem is, so often we prepare like we're going to the playground. How many of you have ever taken a kid to a playground? Right? You know what you're doing. You're packing some toys. Right, to entertain them for a little bit because you don't want them to cry. 
You're packing some snacks and some drinks because they're going to get hungry and they're going to get thirsty. And you go to the playground because it's fun. And so often in our lives, we, we take the same approach. We focus on the toys, right? We focus on the big green eggs and the nice cars and the beautiful houses and all the money. We focus on the toys. We, we try to just pack ourselves snacks and drinks because we want comfort in the American dream. And these things on their own, they're not bad. They're not bad things. But when they're the only weapons that we have in our arsenal, when the enemy begins to come at us, we're going to lose the battle every single time. Maybe you feel like you're drowning this morning. And could it be that you just need to put some better weapons in your arsenal to fight? There's a battleground, and we're on it. Life is tough, and Satan punches hard. The world is brutal. People are awful, and we got to be equipped. Let me ask you some questions. Are, are you equipped? Do you feel like you're equipped when answers can't be found? Do you know how to fuel belief in the midst of unbelief? Have you been equipped to doubt your doubts? That's a tough one. To not let the incoming voices of culture and social media into 2,000-year-old foundation built on the person of Jesus defeating the grave. So I want you to know the Bible, man, it is the most bought and celebrated book of all time. But it is also the most examined and most criticized book of all time. See, more people have tried to come and disprove the Bible and the words that it says. So many people have gone and done archaeological digs to try to disprove the events that happened in Scripture. And guess what? No one has. Because the word of God is powerful and it stands on a firm foundation. And so why is it, church, that so often we go to Facebook and let Carl from accounting or Shirley from the carpool line post something about deconstruction and all of a sudden our faith is up in the air. <laughs> we got the word that has stood the test of 2,000 years in our availability. It's literally on your phone. <laughs> all we have to do is look to the truth. See, the Bible is our weapon that leads us in our battle. But it's useless unless you open it. Daily open his word. Allow it to penetrate your mind and penetrate your soul and bring you life in new places. Because it'll, it'll equip you with the daily armor of God to stand the battle of time. Here's what I want for us to do. I want for us to think of Sunday as boot camp. Sunday is boot camp. Do you know why? Because Sunday is not the battle. Monday is the battle. When you get to your job on Monday, you're on the battlefield. When you go to school on Monday, you're on the battlefield. When you go to the carpool line or your PTA meeting on Monday, you're on the battlefield. And when you go to your kids' sports practices on Monday, you're on the battlefield. And we got to be equipped to fight. Paul continues in verse 15 and 16. It says, rather than speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it will build itself up in love. See, it can be an easy misconception to come to church and think that the pastors, people like me, people like Ryan or Stephen, are, are working in full-time ministry and we're the ones responsible to grow the church and grow its mission. That's not what Jesus said as he, went to, as he ascended into heaven. He said, hey, Jesus people, it's your job. 
It's your mission. Yes, it's mine, but it's also yours. As followers of Jesus, it's our job to expand the mission of Jesus. And ministry, and if a ministry, like if Stone Creek only goes as, as far as the church staff can take it, you know, we're not going to get very far. We're not going to build a very strong kingdom-minded heaven or a kingdom-minded place here in this city. So let me ask you this. Are you doing your part? I know this next question I'm going to ask is going to sound a little Dr. Susie, but it's so that you remember it and don't forget it. <laughs> the question is this. If everyone churched like me, what kind of church would this church be? If everyone churched like me, think about it. How do you come to church? How do you approach church? What do you do with church? How do you get involved in church? If everyone did exactly what you did, what kind of church would Stone Creek Church be? We have an awesome uh, couple that comes here that I have the honor of serving alongside and calling friends named Jason and Denise Moore. And uh, Jason, yeah, you can celebrate Jason and Denise. They're amazing. I'm going to take a few seconds to brag on them. See, Jason and Denise, they not, they not only are here every single Sunday, but they're also here every single Wednesday. And Jason has been serving and leading a small group of guys the last seven years. He actually leads Blake, uh, who was shouted out earlier. He's been leading for seven years, two different groups of guys. Denise, she comes here every week and leads the seventh grade girls. There's over 30 of them that come every single week, and she baptized most of them this year. She's amazing. But not only do they do that inside the walls of the church, Jesus is their message, and they bring it outside. So they also lead a small group of married groups where they help married couples fight the battle of marriage and faith every week. And it's not like they're just people who were trained in Bible college. They went to the University of Florida, so pretty much the opposite. They weren't trained in Bible college to do this. They just love Jesus and know it's their mission. They don't work for a church. They both work for secular companies. Denise works for a company based out of California, and the majority of the people she works with are non-believers. But guess what she has? Story after story after story of praying for people and sharing the gospel any chance she has because she is unashamed of it. And Jason, he works for Verizon, so, you know, we, don't, we know they're not a Christian company, too. And yet he, he knows that whenever there's something, somebody going through family tragedy, he's always quick to pray over them and introduce the gospel into their life. And I believe that there are seeds being planted in those companies that we will see in heaven because of the fruit that is going to come for them. And they're Jesus people, and they're about equipping over entertaining. And their kids, their kids' administrations know they love Jesus. I mean, their, their kids' sports teams know that they love Jesus. And every day they try to read the Bible with, with all three of their kids and worship alongside of them because they love Jesus and they church well. And church, if we all churched like they churched, man, we would move mountains. Man, Jesus would look good in this community. I believe that we would see life like never before. And if every, every, every person, church like you church, your, your church what, how would this church look? Now, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever felt ill-equipped? Anybody ever have a pop quiz in school? Yep, we've all been there. Maybe you, uh, your, your kids started playing a new sport and you went to pay for their sports equipment. You're like, ooh, wasn't equipped to pay that price. I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe you were, were in a meeting and you were called on and you were uh, doing the wordle for the day and didn't realize it was your turn. Maybe it was a little bit more serious. 
Maybe you, you got hit with an unexpected death. Maybe your kid is battling severe mental illness and you don't know how to handle it. Maybe you were served with divorce papers you did not see coming. And feeling ill-equipped, it leads to feeling pretty hopeless, doesn't it? It leads to feeling like you don't know what to do. There's no way to turn. You don't know how to handle it. But when you feel equipped for something, there's just this confidence in it. You know how to walk. You know how to talk. And you're like, give me the ball. I'm ready to play. Give me the thing. I'm ready to say whatever I need to say because I feel equipped to do the work. We want a church. We want to be a church that equips you. We don't want people coming here and sitting on a Sunday and leaving and getting to work on Monday and going, ooh, I feel ill-equipped for this. We want you to be equipped here at church. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you four very, very, very practical ways for you to get plugged in and get equipped today. These aren't going to be some far-off points. My goal of this is that you can do all four of these things before you leave the building today to begin your journey to get equipped like you've never been equipped before. The first thing is this, go to base camp. Go to base camp. Hey, base camp isn't just for new believers. It is, but it isn't just for new believers. Base camp is to help you begin the journey to get equipped, to begin the journey to get out of the baby pool and learn how to get on the high dive to dive in the deep end. It's a four-week journey, and it's going to equip you with tools you've never had in your faith before, and you're going to learn more about who you are and how God created you in the process. Go to base camp. The second thing is this, get in, a, get in an equip group. Yes, we have groups literally called equip, okay? I don't know what else we can name it to make it more self-explanatory. If you want to get equipped, get in an equip group. That's what it does. It is a 10-week adventure where you will learn to read the Bible like you've never read the Bible before, to pray like you've never prayed before, and to have gospel conversations like you've never had gospel conversations before. And on top of that, you're going to learn how to teach others to do the same. And those, three th- those four things are the foundations of our faith. And if all of us were expert at those, we would be amazing Jesus people. But the reality is just we're not. And sometimes we didn't need people to do life with and to be equipped alongside. And so jump into an equip group. We have moms, equip group starting, dads, equip group starting, student, equip group starting all in August. Um, and so I'm giving you time to plan because a lot of your excuses, I don't have time. Well, here you go. August, okay? Get plugged in. But if, if you're like me, I, I don't want to wait that long. I'm like, I need to jump in now or I won't do it. Here you go. I'm going to do something for you, okay? I'm going to start leading an equip group starting this Thursday night, okay? For the next 10 weeks. And if you want to be in my equip group, you can sign up to be in my equip group. It can be all of you. It can be one of you. I don't care. I'm going to be there. And we're going to walk through equips. If you need to get equipped, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Come get equipped with me on Thursday. And the next thing is to find your community in a group. Find your community in a group. Man, if you're married in the room, I can tell you that from all the testimonies I've heard of people who are in married groups, there's one of the greatest things you can do for your marriage is to be alongside other believers who can speak into it and pray over it. And if you're a single person in the room today, uh, it's tough. It's hard to be single in this climate, in this culture today. And we have an amazing young adults group for you to get plugged into on Monday nights. So make sure to get plugged into a group. You can go to our groups page on our website. And the last thing is this, to get off the bench and to get serving. Get off the bench and get serving. And then just, back, just like my Alpharetta rec days, this is how you do it. This is how you get in and get to throw the Hail Mary half-court shot and get to watch something amazing happen before your eyes. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't need to feel fully equipped because guess what? That's what we're going to teach you on the job, but you got to take the step to get off the bench and get in the game. 
And you can serve on our Connect team. You can serve in our kids' ministry. You can serve with me in our student ministry. We have some amazing places for you to serve. You just got to get off the bench, get in the game, and sign up online. But I want to close um, by reading an anthem over you as a church, over us as a church. This is a really well-known pastor, and he wrote this anthem for his church. And it's titled, I Will Fight. Because Stone Creek, it's our time to fight. It's not our time to sit on the bench. It's not our time to hope somebody else will do it. It's our turn to fight because there is darkness out there that desperately needs the light of Jesus. So I'm going to read this over us because I believe it's what God has for us today. Imagine if this could be your declaration for how you will become an even more equipped Jesus person. It says, the Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground. So today I will give no place to fear or failure. I will not accept a trace of apathy in my attitude or actions. I will reject complacency and embrace the greatness that God has planted inside of me. I will waste no opportunity to glorify God and maximize everything he has entrusted to me. I will fight. My battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual enemy that opposes me. So I will draw the battle lines and face my enemy with a bold determination. My enemy fights against me because he fears me. Every time I resist him, he must flee. Every time he reminds me of my past, I will remind him of his future. I will make no excuses, but through every obstacle, I will find a way. I will not procrastinate my progress. I will not defer my destiny. I will not waver when I'm weak. I will not cower when my circumstances take a turn for the worse because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will fight. Even if I lose the battle, I will win the war because I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I will reject the lies that echo in my mind, telling me that I don't have what it takes, that the best is behind me, or that humiliation awaits me. The devil's a liar, and my God always causes me to triumph through Jesus Christ, my Lord. I will fight. My heart is steadfast. My purpose is immovable. I'm always abounding in the work of the Lord, and my potential is unlimited because a limitless God lives within me. I will fight. The cross is before me. The world is behind me. I'll never turn back. I'll never give up. I'll never settle. I'll never stop short. I will press towards the mark of the prize that is already mine. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate me from my God. And if my God is for me, who can be against me? I will fight. Stone Creek, we are Jesus people. Come on. And we have a mission to go into the battle of darkness with the light of the gospel. It's time to fight. But in order to fight, we got to be equipped. We got to get some better weapons in our arsenal. And so what's your next step? Is it to go to base camp? Is it to sign up for an equip group? Is it to get plugged into community through a group? Is it to get off the bench and begin to serve? Maybe it's to sign up for the leadership development program. I, I don't know. But we all have one. We need to step into it today because our mission is urgent. It's a matter of life and death.
The world needs us, Stone Creek. Why? Because the world needs to be equipped with the hope and the light of the person of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, you were so good. You were so good to us. And Jesus, it is mind-blowing to me that you would choose us, your church, a broken people, full of sin, full of destruction, constantly running against you. It's mind-blowing to me that you would choose us to expand your church. But in your grace, you have. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't take it lightly. Lord, I pray that we would see it as the most urgent part of our week, that busyness would never be an excuse, that not knowing enough wouldn't be an excuse, but Lord, that our story and our heart and the way you saved us would be everything. Jesus, I pray today that we would be people, a church that gets off the bench and steps in the game. Lord, I pray that we would see more people in our quip groups than ever before. Lord, I pray that we would see more people in group life than ever before, that we would see more people go to base camp than ever before, that we would see more people serve than ever before, because we are a church that is about now and we know the urgency of the gospel. Man, maybe there's some of you, and your first step is to step into the adventure of following Jesus and get on the battleground in the first place. And so if you, want to, if you need to give your life to Jesus today and that is your step, you say, hey, Jesus, equip me by giving me the Holy Spirit through faith in you. Would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, I'm sorry for running away, but I'm ready to come home. I'm ready to fight alongside you. Jesus, I love you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the grave so that I can have life. And today I'm choosing to follow you for the rest of my life. And if that's you with all eyes closed and all heads bowed, I want to ask you to do something bold and declare that you were beginning to fight today because you gave your life to Jesus for the first time. Count of three. One, two, three. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.